If you've got your Bible, turn to Ephesians chapter 4. If you've got a pen, pull it out as well. If you're on your computer, look up a Bible, but, but find a place you can take some notes as well, because I want to talk today about something that is so important for all of us, and something that I'm afraid is being lost in our isolated, individualistic society right now. So I'm going to talk from Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 to about 16, where Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus. And as we know, the church is all about people. And he's writing from prison where he is separated from people. And this letter is to people about people. Because to Paul, to love God means that we must love people. We've been talking over the past few weeks about what it means to walk with each other through life. That when we walk with each other, there's an investment that is made. There is a faith that is transferred. There is a clarity that develops. Today, I want to talk about how when we walk with one another, there should be a closeness that develops in our relationships. And I say should... Because there's a concern that so often how we manage and describe and engage relationships today doesn't create a closeness, it actually prevents closeness. If there's a, a spectrum of the relationships that we have, on one end, perhaps there's this social media, I need your like relationship that so many lean into. On the other end of this spectrum, there's this Proverbs 18 relationship where the writer of Proverbs says, there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. One of the concerns I have for our relationships today is that we are more leaning towards the please like me on social media kind of relationships than we are there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Now when we're talking about relationships, it's important that in those relationships we're thinking first of the other person. But in order to think first of the other person, we need to make sure that we're doing what we can to be a good friend. I believe that part of what Paul is saying in this letter to the people of God, the, the friends of God, the people who have joined a church so they can be friends with God and friends with one, one another, is that in your relationship, you must move towards closeness. In Ephesians chapter 4, the first verse, and I'll just share this for context before we jump in. Paul says, therefore, 
Again, whenever you see that word, therefore, it's an interesting transition word. He's been talking about doctrine. Now he's talking about duty. He's saying it's all good to, to have right doctrine, right theology, to, to understand what it means to follow Jesus in your head. But unless that is expressing itself in your relational duty to one another, you're not getting the full story. He says, I'm a prisoner for the Lord. Right now I'm separated from people, but I want you to know that people matter most to God. He says, I urge you. I urge you. A word that has great strength and great passion behind it to walk worthy of the calling that you have received. To walk worthy of the calling that you have received. Some words will say, live worthy. I prefer walk. Because it talks about how relationships are a journey. And our challenge as those who follow Christ is to make sure that our relationships are moving towards closeness rather than distance. He says, I want you to walk. This speaks of conduct. It speaks of process. It talks about creating opportunities and capturing opportunities to strengthen friendship. Walk worthy. This word worthy means, are you in a suitable place to be a good friend? Are you living in the, the re right manner? Is there, there balance in your life that says that you're fully connecting with God, but as you do that, you're fully connecting with people as well? Walk worthy of the calling. And just a little bit more call, uh, context, that calling is first to God. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and mind and strength and then love your neighbor as yourself. That calling is to love God and to love people. Now, I don't presume to know what your calling is. Most of the time I struggle with mine too. But I do know this about your calling and mine is that it means that we must draw closer to people not further away from people. As we draw closer to God, we must draw closer to people. Scientific studies have borne this out, that our calling, what we give ourselves to, works better when we have applied people as the end goal of that calling. It's written in a great book I'm reading this week about the difference it makes when we're focusing on people. Did you know, for instance, that in the food service industry, if the cook or the person preparing the food can see the customer as they're preparing food, customer satisfaction goes up 10%. And if the customer can see the cook and the cook can see the customer, that food quality 
as determined by the one who eats it, goes up 17%. Lifeguards become more diligent when they hear stories of people whose lives have been saved by lifeguards. Why? Because it's not just about a job, it's a job that's ultimately about people. Surveys also say that people who are doing the tele-fundraising, that if they know someone who is in the cause that they are calling on behalf of, their sales go up 22%. Our calling, if we're living out a calling from God, ultimately has to do with people. And so Paul starts off by saying, walk worthy of your calling. And then I believe what I want to pick apart today, that the rest of this chapter, among many other things, talks to us about how we can build close relationships with one another, as opposed to relationships that drift and have distance and are dependent upon things out of our control. So how, Paul, do we develop close relationships? This is what he says. Verse 2, With all humility and gentleness and patience, Bearing with one another in love, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. You know, the first thing that I think Paul is saying, if we want to develop close relationships, is that we must sustain our character. We must sustain our character. Why? Because relationships are based on trust. And trust is either strengthened or destroyed based upon our character. Our character is the most important relational trait about us. Paul says, let me talk about what character needs to look like for a believer. First of all, he says, it means you got to be humble. You can't be all about yourself. The Greeks had no understanding of what humility was. In fact, they had no word for it. But humility is an absolute essential for the Christian both in our relationship with God, our relationship with the world, and our relationship with others. Secondly, he says, your character needs to be marked by gentleness or by meekness. I prefer the word meekness. You know, so often we think that meekness is Weakness, but it's not. The reality is our meekness is arguably one of the strongest things about us. Because meekness means to have power, but to have that under control. And we know that it's one of the hardest things to power down sometimes. A couple of weeks ago, we went to Disney Springs 
We're already running a little bit late. I was super frustrated. And we turned into the parking lot that was for the employees. And it wasn't very well signposted. It took us forever to find a parking spot. And we walked to the gate and they said, are you guests or employees? I said, we're guests. She said, you're in the wrong place. (laughs) And I could feel it. And honestly, Tracy and the kids could see it too. (laughs) But this sense of self-righteousness, this your signs weren't good enough. And I was ready to unload on this poor girl, and I was, I was powering up. And that's not meekness. Do, do I have the power to get angry at her? Sure, but meekness says, I'm going to control that anger. Meekness is not weakness. Meekness is actually an incredibly strong character trait. Paul says, if you want... To build close relationships, you have to sustain your character, humility, gentleness, patience. Do we need to talk about patience? Let's hope not. (laughs) We've all got hundreds of stories about how short our patience is. But if our patience is short, then it gets real hard to have close relationships because we're not perfect and the person we're in relationship with is not perfect and we need a whole lot of patience. What, What Paul is saying is if you want close relationships, the first thing you must do is sustain your character. Bear with one another in love, for love's sake, for love. If if you want a close relationship, I think the first thing Paul is saying is you got to sustain your character. Don't let your character break or slip or crack because when it does, that starts to break and crack relationships. Paul goes on, verse 3. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit. It's talking about the relationships in the church through the bond of peace. There is one body, one spirit, just as you are called to one hope at your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in all. The key word in this little section is what? One. It's mentioned seven times in these three verses. Keep your body your spirit, your hope together. So you are all equal in how much grace you've received from God. He's saying kinship is nice, but kinship's not enough. If you want to be really close to each other, if you want to experience those friendships that are closer than a brother, then you need to be united around the one. This one Lord talks about one stem, 
we as Christ is in us become branches off that stem. And the way we work together works infinitely better if we realize and remember that we're serving and following the same God. St. Augustine, hundreds of years ago, said this, In the essentials, seek unity. In the non-essentials, seek liberty. And above all, love one another. That's what Paul is doing here. He's saying the essentials of your faith is that there are one Lord and one Spirit and one truth. One God and one Father who is above all and through all and in all. I think the second thing that Paul is saying here, if we want to walk in close relationship, not only do we need to sustain our character, but we need to share unity together. What we agree on, what we believe, is bigger and stronger than those things that we don't agree on. And if we can have unity in the essentials, then we can give liberty in the non-essentials, and that's what love looks like. One Lord, one faith, one God, one Father. You know, the Lord's Prayer doesn't start out by saying, my Father who art in heaven. It starts out by saying, our Father. There is a shared parentage that we share as children of God. If we want to move towards close relationship, let's sustain our character. Let's share unity with one another. Thirdly, he goes on, and I'll give you the little title I've given to this section now. Stay in your lane. Stay in your lane. I think what Paul is talking about in the next few verses is about boundaries. And it's about doing what we're good at and not doing what we're not good at. And often we have a hard time with that. And I know that I have hurt many relationships because in them I've tried to do things that I shouldn't be doing. And I functioned outside my expertise or my gift. But if I want that relationship to to grow and develop closeness, then I need to be who God has made me to be. Not who the other person thinks I should be, or maybe even necessarily needs me to be. We must stay in our lane. When Paul is talking about unity, hear this. He's not talking about uniformity. That is not how unity works. Unity needs your uniqueness. It does not mean that you change who you are. It does not mean that you give up too much of who God has made you to be. Unity is not uniformity, and real unity needs your uniqueness. And so Paul talks about that uniqueness a little bit. He says, each has been given a different gift according to grace. 
So some of you are apostles, some of you are prophets, some of you are evangelists, some of you are pastors, some of you are teachers. Yeah, we're all on the same page. Yeah, we're all on the same team, but we've got different roles and we've got different responsibilities. Don't try to be who you're not and be who you are. Stay in your lane. Throughout Scripture, there are many other gifts listed. This is not a complete list at all. But you have apostles and prophets that he says earlier are the foundation of the church, those who, who go, those who speak the word of God. See, some of you are evangelists. An evangelist simply means one who brings the good news. Evangelical Christians have got such a, a bad press right now, and, and many of that is accurate, and we should. But an evangelist, an evangelical Christian, is someone who, who believes the good news and wants to share the good news. And in the midst of all the turmoil around us, let's not stop being people of the good news, right? There are teachers and there are pastors, people who care, different gifts, all unique, but all helpful to these shared relationships that we call the church. If you want relationships that move closer, stay in your lane. Get good at bringing to the relationship what you need to bring to relationship. Why? Because when you do this, verse 12, it equips the saints for the work of ministry. It builds up the body of Christ. So I was studying this word, build. The context speaks to a, a broken bone that needs to be reset. Often relational bones break because we're not functioning in our gift, in our calling, in our strength, Right? But when we stay in our lane, when we function in our gifts, we start to, to heal and to fix relationships and move toward closeness. This word equip is actually, Dave, a, a word that has this um, coaching thought. And what Paul is saying here, that these gifts that you've been given are used to, to coach to, to bring people to a, a better condition. And so I say, I think this is what Paul's digging at. If we want to develop relationships that are getting closer rather than more distant, not only do we need to sustain character, not only do we need this shared unity, but we also must stay in our lane. He continues, finally, verse... 13. Well, how long do we do this? Is, is there a time when we can become comfortable in our relationships? Is there a time when we can take our, our foot off the pedal? No. We keep going until we all reach unity and faith in the knowledge of God's Son. Growing into maturity, 
with a stature measured by Christ's fullness. Here's the rub. In your relationships, do you look like Christ? If you can answer yes to that, then you can probably sit down and just relax a little. But we're not there yet. And so we have to keep working at it. What I think Paul is saying here is that in relationship, we must keep steadily maturing. We must keep growing to Christ's fullness. When that happens, verse 14, we'll no longer be tossed like little children, tossed by the waves and blown around by every wind of teaching, by human cunning, with cleverness in the techniques of deceit, cunning and deceit, and every wind that spins us around. That's the stuff that separates from closeness, right? One of the things I think that, that Paul is also saying in this verse, in this metaphor, is that if we're going to have mature relationships with each other, as we put it alongside, put away, put aside all this, this dizziness spinning around, then we become stable. He's saying that immaturity actually leaves our relationships unstable. And so as we become more mature, we become more stable. And all that stuff that, that threatens and swirls around relationships, the deceit, the, the cunning, that just kind of bounces off because we're more stable. So another little nugget, verse 15, to this continuing to mature thing. He says, speaking the truth in love, is how we grow in every way into him who is the head. Man, that's worth making note of as well. <laughs> Write down, I must be a person who speaks the truth in love. That is so hard for most of us. It's often incredibly painful to do. But the ultimate sign of loving someone is speaking the truth to them. And we must tell the truth, not harshly, not dismissively, not judgmentally, but we must share that truth and love if the relationship wants to mature, if we want to mature, if closeness wants to happen. From him, the whole body is fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament, promoting the growth of the body for the building up itself in love by the proper working of each individual part. I think Paul's saying that when we can work together, when we can coordinate together, then we get to experience that closeness. Over the past few weeks, I've been working on a little documentary with some sports guys. It's really been fascinating. And this Thursday, we...
<laughs> there you go. Sorry about the interruption. You may not have heard it. <laughs> Doing this little project with some sports stars. And we were talking about the attitude that they have in the locker room. I'm going to get to this story sooner or later. Possessed. <laughs> it's possessed. Is the suspense building? I hope not, because the story may, may let you down. <laughs> but over the past few weeks, I've been doing what? No, I've been, I've been working on this little documentary with some of the so, so, some athletes and talking about the attitude that they have in a locker room as their career is possessed. And as we were talking about it, there's this transition of maturity that happens when you start in a locker room early in your career. It's all about me. Me, me, me. You experienced guys need to see how great I am. Because I'm the next best thing. It's all about me. But that attitude doesn't last very long, right? Somewhere it caps out with our capacity. And so the next level of growth for an athlete is that they move from this me mentality to an us mentality. I need you guys to help me look better. I need to contribute to the team, to the whole, to the us. And there's this transition from it all been about me to all been about us. But then the good athletes, the elite athletes, realize that there's something better than just being about us. And as they were talking in front of the screen on Thursday, they said, what I want now as I end my career is to play for them. And I said, that's brilliant. That's how maturity works. It's about me, and then it's about us. But ultimately, it becomes about them. That's how relationships work. That's what maturity looks like. And Paul says, if you want a relationship of closeness, you must steadily mature. So here we are, 2021, living in a world where we've been apart for a long time, where we haven't been able to shake hands and hug and some people haven't left their homes for a long time. Relationships have grown distant. We live in a world that seems so selfish, that seems so about me. We take our relationship advice from platforms that scream, please like me. But Scripture says there's a better way. There are better relationships as you love God and you love each other. There is a closeness that you can have. How do we get it? We must sustain our character. We must seek unity about the things that are important. We must stay in our lane. And we must keep steadily maturing. 
God longs that we would share closeness in our relationship. That we would move from me to us to them.